Hello and welcome back to West Bank Bible Church Podcast. We are continuing with the study of Daniel today. We will be on lesson number six. And you can get that in the outline on the website or on some of the podcasts have a link to it as well. Before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, 9, as may or may not be necessary. Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to use 1 John 1, 9 to clear the decks for action, as we like to say, ready to learn what you would have for us. So let's begin at verse 8, where I'm going to give you an expanded translation of Daniel 1 through 7. In the third year of Jehoiakim's reign as king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon surrounded the city of Jerusalem and began to siege the city. Jehoiakim, king of Judah, surrendered the city. The sieging of the city ceased when Jehoiakim agreed to certain terms mandated by King Nebuchadnezzar. As part of the settlement, certain very valuable vessels used in the temple were carried off to Babylon where Nebuchadnezzar stored them in the house of his God. The death of Nebuchadnezzar's father, Nebuchadnezzar, occurred during the siege which in part resulted in Jehoiakim being led, excuse me, left on the throne as his royal agent in charge. Daniel 1.3 In order to guarantee the loyalty of Jehoiakim, Nebuchadnezzar ordered Ashpenaz, whose title was Prince of the Eunuchs, to take hostages some 70 young men from Jehoiakim's palace. They were to be of nobility, young men who had been raised in the palace. As was the custom of the day, the boys were to be between the ages of 14 and 17. All 70 were to be handsome, well-built, intelligent, and good students. They were to be well-mannered and capable of standing in the presence of kings and potentates, men who had a special aptitude for learning. They were, one might say, to be the cream of the crop. Young men who would one day serve Nebuchadnezzar as advisors, prophets, administrators, 
young men are capable of learning the Chaldean language and becoming as Chaldean as Nebuchadnezzar himself. The king decreed the boys would eat with him in the royal dining hall. He assigned them special rations, and they were to drink the finest of wine from the king's cellars. They would be trained for three years, said Nebuchadnezzar, and after that, he would assign them special duties depending on their demonstrated abilities. Among the 70 were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Ashpenaz gave the four boys new names to Daniel, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. In verse 6, we have the Jewish boys listed first by their Jewish name, each of which had meaning and significance. It would seem Daniel was the most unusual of all the boys taken hostage. He was poised, good-looking, and unusually intelligent. In Ezekiel 28.3, the brilliance of Satan is compared to that of Daniel. Daniel received the most special of Chaldean names. Daniel's new name was Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince. Bel was the supreme Akkadian god, Blue, the ruling god of the Babylonian pantheon and equivalent to Zeus, the chief god of Greece, and Jupiter, the chief god of Rome. Daniel must have looked as though he came from the hand of Baloo. Daniel was identified with the chief of the Babylonian gods. This new name was the beginning of his brainwashing. Daniel found himself being selected as the recipient of this best of names. Fame and fortune for Daniel was just around the corner. Little did the Babylonians know that Daniel was already a man of doctrine, fame, and divine fortune. They would change his name, but they could not change the inner man. Daniel would learn much about the Chaldean language, religion, and customs. However, he would not be swayed from that which he knew was absolute, the Word of God. 
So today, young Christians as members of God's forever family find themselves in the institutions of learning being taught doctrines which are often contrary to God's word. Rather than rebel, the Christian should learn but not necessarily believe the precepts of secularism. Doctrine in the soul of Daniel had at least in part revealed to him those real but invisible self with its strengths and weaknesses. His knowledge of his idolatrous enemy had equipped him to better serve his supreme commander, the Lord Jesus Christ. The temptation came, but just as the scriptures promise, doctrine to resist the temptation will always precede the inducement. Little did the Chaldeans know, but the doctrine in the soul of Daniel would never be obscured by the exterior of Babylonian lore. Pagan lore, with its false doctrine, would be learned, but the actions of Daniel would have an everlasting and positive effect on the kings of four great Gentile kings. Perhaps the most significant would effect would occur to the unsuspecting Nebuchadnezzar himself. Hananiah's name was changed to Shadrach, which means illumined by the man of God, the sun god. In Babylon, the sun god Shadrach was but one more god in their pantheon of idolatry. Mishael became Meshach, meaning who and what is Ishtar, or Venus. The story is told that while resting on a beach, several Greeks noticed a shell wash ashore, and standing on the shell was a beautiful woman. She was so beautiful, they named her Aphrodite, goddess of love. Her Latin name was Venus, and her Chaldean name was Ishtar, goddess of pleasure. The name of this god, whether Venus in Rome, Aphrodite in Greece, or Ishtar in Babylon, meant live it up, have fun, for tomorrow you die. Azariah had his name changed to Abednego, meaning the servant or slave of Nego. Nego 
is a corruption of Nebo, which is the Akkadian name of Nabu, the god of wisdom and education. This, this name certainly, in hindsight, revealed the intent of Chaldeans. We will, they thought, retrain and by means of education make pagans of these young men from Israel. This is the driving principle of public education today. By education, we can make good people out of Rastillians. Transformation of the soul is the answer to better people, people not wiser old sin natures. Romans 12.2 And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By education, the Chaldeans were attempting to change Bible-believing nobility into pagan aristocracy. It is amazing that these young men were not snowed by these pressures. Now let's see what we can glean from Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. The KJV Daniel 1.8 But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The NIV has it as, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to, to, to defile himself this way. Keep in mind, Daniel is in a foreign land rule, ruled by a despotic king. Nebuchadnezzar was known worldwide for his cruel treatment of those who disagreed with him. That Daniel dared to question an order originating with the king of Babylon is of itself unusual and reflects the courage of Daniel. As part of Daniel's early training, he had been taught the dietary section of the Mosaic Law. It would seem Daniel's spirituality, maturity, was ahead of his chronological years or age. Not only had he been taught these laws, but his parents had apparently practiced and applied the rules. Training a child in the way he should go involves more than merely taking them to church. Parents are responsible for getting doctrine in their soul and then sharing the word and application of the word with the children. Daniel knew that some of the food and wine may not have been prepared in accordance with the Mosaic Law. More important, however, was the possibility that the food and libation may have been first offered to idols. Such a sin of eating meat sacrificed to idols was a major problem for Israel and later the church itself, for different reasons, but none the less severe. 1 Corinthians 10, 18 through 21. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, 
but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. <clears throat> Revelation 2.14 Nevertheless, I have a few things against some of you attending the church at Pergamon, the ex extant universal church from 300 to 800 AD. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Eating of meat or drinking beverages sacrificed to idols was prohibited by the Mosaic law. It would seem Satan used the innocuous necessity of eating and drinking to entice adultery. This, no doubt, was God's reason for prohibiting the eating and drinking and that which had been sacrificed. For emphasis, let me repeat. 1 Corinthians 10, 19 and 20. I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to participate with demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Daniel, like us today, decided the word of God was more real than the reality of the dangerous situation. Said another way, the God of Daniel was big enough to deliver him from any situations. We, like Daniel, must use the two power options consistently and grow in its grace or else we will succumb to the pressures of time. The two options are staying confessed up and consistently taking in the word of God. In Daniel chapter 1, we will see not just one, but four young people with enough doctrine to say no to the temptations of the devil's world. As Colonel R.B. Theme has written, no longer were parents priests and prophets available to Daniel for guidance. Now it all depended on Daniel's use of doctrine in his right lobe. Well, that concludes lesson number six. We thank you for being here today. And remember, anyone out there who doesn't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all you got to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved.
Pastor Mary, could you close us in a prayer? Father, we're going to develop the doctrine of gap, which is a very important doctrine in our next lesson. And uh, we have found a necessity for gap in our everyday life. GAP stands for Grace Apparatus for Perception. So uh, help us gain insight into what we are to know about the next lesson and all future lessons and to grow in your wonderful grace. All right, David, how about closing this out? Well, all I've got for you left, and you know it's coming. Until next time, so long.